don't you open your Bibles to the book of James? Thank you, guys. Thank you, Michael. Aren't they awesome? My God. Sometimes I'm just like, God, you let me work with all these wonderful musicians and singers and worshipers. I'm just amazed. James, the fifth chapter. As you're turning over there, say, we are the ecclesia. Say, we are the ecclesia. Say, ecclesia. That's how you pronounce it, ecclesia. That means we are the church. Let me see if I can get over here now. James, the fifth chapter. We're going to read this, and then we're going to pass and review just a little bit from last week. James, the fifth chapter, the seventh verse. Now, before I read this, this song that we sang, um, by the way, Allison was supposed to be here tonight to sing it, and she just couldn't make it at the last minute. They have a new baby, and, and things are busy. <laughs> and so, Allison, we miss you. Um, I'm thankful that Elizabeth could kind of jump in. Hunter kind of coaxed, coaxed her through it. And, and, but I really wanted that song sung tonight because this song right here describes the vision of where we're walking. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm tired of church as is. I'm, I'm worn out by men's doctrines, men's religions. I'm 57 years old, I'm not getting any younger, and I intend on seeing revival with these eyes in Jesus' name. And I'm talking about the greatest awakening that the church has ever experienced. Hallelujah. And when, um, I think Allison wrote this, maybe, it hasn't been even a year ago, it was maybe six months ago or something, but... When all of us came together, all of a sudden, this, the Holy Ghost just birthed this song in her. And the first time she shared it with me, I started crying. I said, oh, my God. I said, this is the vision of where we're headed. has words like, this is our time now. Heaven's waiting to come down. This is our prayer and plea. Let revival start in me. This is our declaration. We will reach the nations. All of creation stands at attention yearning to be filled with your great affection. See, the, 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 the person that's addicted to drugs, the person that their whole life is messed up with perversion, the person that is homeless, all the way to the person that, that is maybe the wealthiest person in the world, they are yearning for God's love and they don't even know it. And the reason they don't know it is because they've never tasted of it. So he says, let all creation stand at attention, yearning to be filled with your great affection. We are the promise of its expectation. Everybody say me. (laughs) We carry the key to release restoration. Jesus went to the cross once, and once was enough. And now we have his DNA, his power his dominion on the inside of us. We are the church. 
We are the ecclesia. We are his hands, his feet. We are his sons and his daughters. We are the life and the light that's in this world of darkness. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So over here in James, the fifth chapter, seventh verse, it says, Be patient, therefore. How many know what patience is? Hold on, I'll tell you in a minute. (laughs) Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. He's waiting. He's waiting for us to step into what he's called us to step into so that he can reap the precious fruit of the earth. Glory to God. (laughs) Waiting for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. The early and the latter rain. The church is the one who receives the latter rain. We receive his rain from heaven. And I'm not against songs that ask him to send the rain or, you know, send revival. But I'm going to tell you right now, he already sent it. Now it's up to us to receive it. Do you hear me tonight? So let's read this again. Read it with me. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Turn over to uh, the book of Colossians. I'm so used to uh, studying in uh, the King James Version that a lot of times I don't... um, we're going to go to the third chapter. I don't switch it over to New King James. So if, you, if you're used to New King James or NIV, just bear with me tonight. Now before we read this, I just want to read something that the Lord gave me early this morning. Um, I'm just going to read it because I can't say it any better than what he gave it to me. The whole purpose of the church and his grace on the church and for the church is to look exactly like the Father. I'm going to say it again. The whole purpose why we're here is so that we can be a perfect reflection of who the Father is. Everything else beyond that is a result. See, Jesus was first a son, then a servant. Jesus was first a son, then the Savior of the world. Do you know that Jesus could have failed? The Bible says he could have. Did God have another backup plan? I don't know. I'm glad Jesus didn't fail. Jesus was tempted in every area of life that we could ever be tempted in. Because how could he stand as a substitute in our place if he wasn't? So Jesus could have failed, but he chose not to. It's just like we have a choice today. You know, the first man, Adam, he chose wrong. But the last Adam, Jesus, he chose right. 
Do you ever see the, the Holy Grail? Choose wisely. <laughs> verse 1, or let's, let me read this first, and then we'll, then we'll go into that. The whole purpose of the church and his grace on us and for us is to look exactly like the Father. Jesus' entire purpose for coming to earth was to get the DNA of the Father back into the earth and to be his son. Now, from the time of Adam till the time of Jesus, the earth was yearning for it. Even Pastor was talking tonight about how David, when you read through the Psalms, you can see how David yearns for it. You know, in fact, he, in one, one verse, he's speaking faith. The next verse, he's saying, I'm really hurting. God, do something for me because I'm really hurting. All of humanity groaned and yearned for the DNA of God to come back into the earth. Thank God for Abraham. Thank God for all the prophets. Thank God for King David. Thank God for Noah. Thank God for all the people of the Old Testament who never gave up on the hope that it was accounted unto them as righteousness, that one day that that righteousness would be fulfilled. But we're on this side of the cross. It's not only accounted unto us, but we are the righteousness of God. Can you say amen? I forgot to unlock this. The revelation of being a son is the revelation that Jesus said the church is built on. Peter said, you are the Christ. This is where we were at last week. We, we went into Matthew, and we read the verse where Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And as a little kid growing up, I used to think, wow, he built his church on Peter. No, what he's saying there is, first of all, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. This thing isn't going to come by the way of flesh. The church is not being built by the way of, just hang on for a minute, by the way of our programs and by the way of our good intentions. It's built on the power and the glory of God. In fact, it's built on the revelation of who we are as sons and daughters of God. That's how the church is built. Because he looked at Peter and he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. And when he said, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, what he meant there is he said, on this revelation, on this revelation of who you say that I am, you say that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, on this revelation that I am the Son of the living God, I build my church. And if you build the church of God on this revelation, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So the revelation of being a son is the revelation that Jesus said the church is built on. Peter said you are the Christ, the son, the DNA, the image of the living God. Jesus said, and on this revelation of sonship, I will build my church and he will not, and hell will not prevail against it. Why then sometimes is hell prevailing against the church? Maybe it's because we're not building the church on the revelation of sonship. Maybe we're building it on programs. Maybe it's just another nice club. Hey, I like nice things just like you all do. 
I love to have fun. You know, camp was great. There's a lot of work that went into camp. But the biggest thing from camp, every person, every leader that was in charge of youth camp, VBS, kids camp, every person that that was over those things prayed and heard from God. They didn't go with and they didn't go into it saying what's going to work the best. What kind of programs are going to work the best? Well, yeah, you got to do things to have fun with the kids and everything, but they prayed and they sought the mind of God because they built those camps on the revelation of who Jesus is. And during youth week, we had multiple kids get born again. I think we had something like eight or ten kids filled with the Holy Ghost. Then in the kids' camp, we had more get born again, and I think we had about 15 get filled with the Holy Ghost. And in those times when those kids are getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, it was just happening like this. I remember last year, we were at the what I thought was the end of our worship service, and the Holy Ghost said, go ahead and just sing in the Spirit. So I told the kids, let's just sing in the Spirit. And um, so we started singing in the Spirit. What that means, Paul said, I pray in the Spirit, I sing with the Spirit, I sing with my understanding. Also, it means to pray in your spiritual heavenly language. Or to sing in it. So we started doing that, and all of a sudden, Brody comes up to his dad, Dave Conaway, who's one of our children's pastors. He said, Dad, I got something to say. Nine years old. So Dave just handed him the mic. Brody started preaching. He started telling the kids what the Holy Ghost does. He started explaining to them why they needed it, how it would edify them, how it would help them with everyday life. And he says, if you want it, come up here. And I mean, it filled the front. And within like five minutes, there was like 17 children filled with the Holy Ghost. Brody just went down and laid hands on them. Sometimes we put God in a box and we just don't, you know, God's real simple. He says, hear me. Then once you hear me, do what I ask you to do, and I'll bring the results. Can you say amen? So the question is, is why then some sometimes is hell prevailing against the church? Maybe it's because we're not building on the revelation of sonship. Maybe we've built on the idea of church, on other things. Maybe church to us is some organized event that just takes place on Sundays or Wednesdays. And like I said last week, I put a disclaimer out there. I'm not against organized services. What I'm trying to get us to understand is it doesn't stop there. You don't come to a building because this isn't the church. We're the church. Now, if we're talking outside of these walls, I'm not going to argue with you. I know, you know, people say, what church do you go to? Well, I go to Trinity, or I go to Cathedral, or I go to, you know, wherever. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in people's face over that. That's not what I mean. What I mean is this, is our understanding is what is the church to us? And if we can allow Holy Spirit to change the way we think and to change the way that we hear God. In other words, sometimes we think that everything is about Sunday. And I, we push everything towards Sunday. Man, I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait for Sunday. Man, I can't wait. One time I told God, I was sitting in the barber's chair. And I'd been, I'd been praying for my barber for a year and a half. And the Holy Ghost wouldn't let me say anything. I was just listening. 
He said, he's not ready for it. He said, wait until I tell you. And the day I told him, he goes, he goes, he goes, what time is, it was on a Saturday. He goes, what time is your service? And I said, it starts at 10 a.m. And he goes, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to be there. And when he finished me, I got up. I walked out of the barber shop, and I'm like, yes. Because in my mind, I could see him walking down the aisle of Trinity and getting born again. And you know what? That's glorious. But do you know what the Holy Ghost said to me? He said, why are you waiting? He said, what are you waiting for? You waiting on Brother Dave to get him born again? What I call you to do? So I went and bought him lunch, came back to the barber shop. I walked in the barber shop. It was packed. And this barber shop I go to, they're jam-packed all the time if you go in the middle of the day. And I walked in, I, and he won't mind me telling you this. His name's Dallas. I walked over, and I said, hey, Dallas. I said, I really need to talk to you. It's, it's urgent. He's having a new customer get in his chair right then. He said, all right. He said, hold on. He looks at this customer, and he goes, I'm going to take a quick smoke break. I'll be right back. <laughs> so there's a back door to the barber shop, and it goes like down this little ramp, and there's a smoke shack out there where the guys can go out and smoke, and you know. And so I'm standing in the back room by the back door, and he comes back and he goes, "Yeah, w- what's up, man?" And I said, "I'm supposed to pray for you," and he goes, "Okay, oh, you mean now?" <laughs> and I said, "Yes, I mean now." And he could have said, man, I got a room full of customers in there. But he looked at me and he goes, okay. And I said, Dallas, I said, I don't know where your heart is at. But if you'd like to give your heart to Jesus right now, I'll pray with you. And his eyes filled up with tears. And he said, I I want that. So we went out to the smoke shack and got him born again. (laughs) By the way. He doesn't smoke anymore. (laughs) He smokes the holy smoke of Jesus. (laughs) He's been, he got, his whole life was transformed. In fact, it's really funny for the first year and a half, you should have heard all the way those guys talked in there. And I never said I was a Christian. I never said I was a pastor. I never said, don't talk that way in front of me because see, I'm the light of the world. I'm not supposed to go in and push Jesus down people's throat. So I just went in there and just, you know, hung out with them, got to know. To this day, I know all of their names. When I walk in, they greet me. I greet them. But anyway, Dallas, he's living for Jesus. Now he's raising his little girl to love Jesus. I mean, what a testimony. But what if I would have waited? I mean, chances are he could have come down that aisle. But why wait one more day when he could receive the love of God right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So maybe we've built the idea of church on other things. Maybe church to us is some organized event that just takes place on Sundays or Wednesdays. But what is the ecclesia? And this is what the Holy Ghost said to me. He said, if you don't look and act and sound and walk and talk like the Father. Hold on. You're just an employee. Or you're a son that acts like an employee. I want to tell you something. There's a big difference between being an employee and being an owner. When you own the business, you get to make the decisions. 
you get to take that business higher. When you're an employee, all you are is a caretaker. You can share in some of the profits of the company, but you're not the owner. I want to tell you tonight, you're not a bastard. You're not an orphan. You've been grafted into the vine. We have every right to walk, talk, act, sound, look like the Father. And if we're not, we're cutting ourselves short because the very DNA of God that was on the inside of Jesus is now on the inside of you and me. If you're born again tonight, you have his power and his glory living on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Say, we are the ecclesia. (laughs) He wants us to be part of the family business. The family name that you had before you got born again was the family of Adam. Everybody say Adam. But now we've left, and I said this one time, and people, a lot of people in the, in the youth laughed. We've left the Adams family, and we're now part of the family of Jesus. We've literally transferred ownership. In fact, you no longer really belong on earth. You're just here on borrowed time. Because now you're an ambassador of heaven because your citizenship is in heaven. What that means is this, is every time you pray for the sick, every time you cast out a devil, every time you raise the dead, every time you preach the gospel, you have all, everybody say all, you have all of heaven backing you. You're part of the family business. You're not just a sharecropper. You're not just an employee, but you are a son and a daughter of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, I get excited about this. You're part of the family of Jesus now. His Father and the Holy Spirit, in fact, every document we sign in the Spirit The Bible says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. The difference between Jesus healing the sick when he was on the earth and me healing the sick now is I simply do it in his name because he was the first and only begotten son of God. But the Bible says, now I've been begotten. Everybody say that. Say, I've been begotten. I asked the Holy Spirit one time, I said, and I could look it up in the dictionary. I said, what does that mean? It says, it means he came and got you. (laughs) Hallelujah. I've been begotten of the Father. I now, (laughs) hallelujah, I now am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I sit in heavenly places with Jesus. I sit with Jesus at the right hand of the Father, not in deity, but in my humanity. I have been made equal to him. And the only difference is, is now I get to use his name. Have you ever noticed this? And we won't talk about this because this is a whole other teaching. He didn't say, I'm not talking about James because that's a different thing that he's talking about. But he didn't say pray for the sick. He said heal the sick. He didn't say pray for the dead. He said heal or he said raise the dead. He didn't say pray for the possessed. He said cast out devils. One time the Holy Spirit was talking to me. I was praying and, and he said, 
He said, don't ask me to heal people. Now, this is what God said to me. I'm not saying that you operate this way, but this is what God said to me because I was saying, God, I feel like I'm, I'm missing something. And a lot of people were getting healed. But when you look in the book of Acts and when you look in the New Testament, the Bible says like that, that revival that Peter was in, they couldn't fit them all in the building, so they laid them in the streets. And when Peter walked down the streets, the glory of God was so strong on him that the Bible says his shadow healed them all. In fact, in the early church, it was weird if they got sick. And that's what the scripture in James is based on. He said, if there be any sick among you. See, he's talking to the church there. But when he was talking to the disciples and when he was saying, make disciples of all nations, he was saying, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. I believe there's coming a day when we're going to see so many dead raised. I believe there's coming a day where sickness will not be able to stand in the presence of God. And as we get in alignment with him, as we, as we get in alignment with him as far as understanding our sonship and understanding where we walk, I believe with all my heart we'll be able to empty out whole hospitals. How many ever heard of John G. Lake? Ever heard of John G. Lake? Spokane Surgeon General declared... Spokane to be the healthiest city in the United States of America. And the reason why they declared it to be the healthiest city in the United States of America is because John Lake trained, I think it was 15 or 16 people, and he trained them how to heal the sick. Do you know that he had a healing school? Do you know what the graduation requirement was? You take a terminal case and you get them healed. If you didn't get him healed, you didn't graduate. Wow, that's pretty rough. Well, see, I, I like it when, man, and if you missed it this morning, you, you should go watch it. My Lord, Pastor Dana. But I like it when people present the gospel and where all it does, it just slices. Everything that isn't Jesus, it just slices it away. Whew. Thank you, Father. Someone said that John Lake had, what happened is, is he literally closed down, I think it was more than one hospital. They didn't need the hospital because there was no sick people. That just seems weird to us, doesn't it? I mean, even in the church. My pastor in Tulsa would say this. He'd say the Catholics and the Baptists build the hospitals and the Pentecostals fill them up. I'll quote Brother Hagen on that. If it wasn't so pathetic, it'd be funny. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sometimes we just do not realize who we are. And I'm not here tonight to condemn you. I mean, even, even my wife and I, we've dealt with sickness and disease in our bodies. I'm not here to condemn you, but I'm here to tell you that why stay the way that we are? We can step into him and grow in him. And as we grow in him and as we understand him, I'm going to tell you, healing is the bread of the children. Can you say amen? The reason why it says that in the Bible is, um, the reason why it says that in the Bible about no, um, about Everything you do in order, deed, do all in the name of Jesus, because there's no greater name under heaven. And so because we're part of the greatest family in existence, the use 
of the name of Jesus, when proclaimed in faith, brings all the grace of heaven. Do you know how much grace there is in heaven? Do you know how much grace our Father has? I'll say it this way. It's unlimited. It's not just amazing grace. It's unlimited grace. I found out, you know, with God, the bigger, God's like a hole in the wall. The more you take away, the bigger the hole gets. The more of God that we allow to flow through us, the bigger he becomes in our community, on our street, at our job. The sick are healed in Jesus' name. The dead are raised back to life in Jesus' name. Devils that possess people and oppress people have to turn loose at the precious name of Jesus. Now you can say the name of Jesus and not have faith and nothing will happen. This is where a lot of people, they get, they kind of get messed up or they kind of get turned around. Well, you know, Michael, I tried that. It just doesn't work. No, you tried it out of your own strength. You need to operate in his strength. And the only way that happens is by getting to know him. Are you over in Colossians? Colossians 3. Thank you, Father. Colossians 3, we're going to start, read verses 1 through 4, and then um, 12 through 17. And if you want to put the New King James, I'm going to switch over. <laughs> Thank you, Sharon. You're awesome. I can, I can just go with the King James. If ye, be, if ye then be risen with Christ, can I ask you a question? Have you been risen with him? If you have, let me see your hand. Look at all the hands going up. If you then be risen with Christ, that means we qualify for this verse. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on that right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. This is one way that God told me that the church has failed. Because we allow our affections to be set on temporary things when, in fact, we cannot change temporary things. We can only set our affections on eternal things and then allow the power of God to come and change things. That's why he says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall he also appear with him in glory. In other words, when you, when you understand that not only did you die with him, but you've been raised with him. When Jesus died on the cross and he bore our sickness he bore our sin. He bore our shame. He bore our rejection. Do you know that the Bible says that we've been identified with him and we died with him? Everybody say, I died with him. I also rose with him. So when it says, if you've then been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Let's go down to uh, verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, 
meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ... And I can promise you, I didn't look this up, but I can promise you that word right there is probably Logos. In other words, let Jesus, who is the Logos, come alive in you. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. It's this simple. We've been placed here in the earth to allow God to flow His DNA through us. Adam gave up the image of God Jesus brought it back into the earth. And the Bible even says that Jesus was the first among many brethren. When it says that Jesus was the first among many brethren, that's why it made sense when he said that John, he said John the Baptist was great. He said, but even the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. And the reason he made that statement is this, is because he wasn't saying that John the Baptist wasn't important. He's saying John the Baptist, he lived his life, he did his call, he died before Jesus paid the price to get born again. So even the least in the kingdom of God that's been born again was greater than John the Baptist because now they have the DNA of God on the inside of them, and John didn't. Now John does now. Because Jesus went into Abraham's bosom and he preached. And the Bible says that he emptied out Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom was a type of shadow, a type and shadow of heaven. And when Jesus went and preached them, see, they couldn't go to heaven because they weren't born again. The kingdom didn't dwell on the inside of them yet. Like it dwells on the inside of me and you. If we can understand the power and the DNA, the glory of God that's on the inside of us. And even if this is new to you or, or you're thinking, I, I've never heard this before. You're thinking, well, I've heard this before, but I don't understand it. How do, I, how do I get all that glory and all that dominion that I know is on the inside of me? How do I get that out of me onto a world that's dying? You ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's been sent to be your teacher. I've learned with Holy Spirit, I can ask him anything. Sometimes I don't get an answer right away. But when I ask him questions like, teach me how to worship. Teach me how to pray. Holy Spirit, teach me how to love people. Because right now, mm. do you see what they did to me? I love what well, I love what the Lord told me one time. I was in my prayer closet and I was just praying and worshiping God. And I was, you know, you know how you you say you say what you think you are, and sometimes he answers back and he's not disagreeing with you, but he's saying, You're here, but you need to be here. I'm in there saying, Oh, I love you so much. 
I love people. Oh, I love, oh God, I love people. I think it was more of a confession than it was a possession. I love people and, and you know, God, I don't get offended. And He said, really? <laughs> he said, well, if you're so complete in me, he said, why do you keep looking to them? He said, how could it, son, how could it ever be about you when you're so complete in me? We'll just talk about this for a couple minutes and then we'll close tonight. He said, how could, how could what they say or what they do affect you if you're so complete in me? <laughs> I said, well, I have some work to do. <laughs> and I mean, I begin to press. In, in, in the former years before I came back into the full-time ministry, I worked secular jobs. I mean, most of it had customer service. I had customers. I had a customer that was screaming at me so hard, and they were this close that their spit was hitting me in the face. I backed up a little bit. I'm not real big on their spit hitting me in the face. I didn't lose it. I only had to call the cops one time on a customer. <laughs> well, I mean, she just did not want to... She, you know, I was a manager of a bank, and she came in, and there was other customers there, and she went off with the F-bomb and just, I mean, became so, and I just told her, I said, ma'am, if, if you'll give me a minute, we'll sit down and talk. You can tell me whatever the problem is, and she didn't want to talk. She just wanted to rant and rave, and I said, well, then please, you know, please leave the branch. I ain't leaving, and so I said, well, then I'm going to call the ministers of law. <laughs> <laughs> But besides her, all the other customers, they would rant and rave. I had this one customer when I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Every time she walked into the branch, all my bankers would say, there he is. He, he's, he's over there. <laughs> they didn't want to deal with her. One time she came in, she was so upset because she couldn't, you know, and they had a lot of money. But she was so upset because she couldn't find every penny, you know. So I said, well, let's, you know, she's yelling at me. I said, let's sit down, take a look at it. So I pulled her account up, and I just went down through, and I said, well, here's, you know, I used her check register, and I measured it with what we showed came in with check numbers. And I go, well, here, this is a five-cent mistake. And she goes, it is? Oh, my gosh, how would I do that? A couple times, the way she writes, she writes real pretty cursive. It almost looks like other numbers. I said, well, maybe the bank thought it was another number or something. By the time I got done, not only was she apologizing up and down because I found every mistake and it was her mistakes. She opened up three new accounts for her grandchildren. <laughs> and when, when she walked out, my bankers looked at me and said, how do you do that? And I said, I said, honestly, I said, it's peace. If you don't have peace, how can you walk with people that don't have peace? And there's a place in him where we, and, and folks, I'm not saying I'm all the way there. Trust me. If you don't believe me, ask my wife and ask Pastor Dana. <laughs> and my sister. They're probably the three people I vent to the most. <laughs> so I'm not all the way there. But I walk in a lot more peace than I used to. 
And when I know that things are going on and something's not going right or something's, you know, something's not happening right or something, I walk in more peace than I've ever walked in. And see, when you walk in peace, then you can allow his love to flow through you because your mind isn't on you. It's on them. So when I was in there praying and the, and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and he said, he said, so if you're so complete in me, then how could you ever be offended? And that's when he began to teach me. He said, son, it will never be about you. He said, even if they're angry at you, because see, animals don't give me problems. Car, cars don't give me problems. I mean, cars do what they were created to do. They break down, you get them fixed. It's human beings that give you problems. And it's human beings that will, will talk about you or hate you or, you know, love you one minute, hate you the next. And if we can come to a place in him where we can look at human beings the same way he looks at them. And that's what I started doing. I said, Father, give me your eyes to see people. Because I'm telling you right now, Jesus gave his everything, never sinned, never made a mistake, and they still crucified him. People walk where they walk. I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to close. People walk where they walk. The sooner you understand that what a person does, they were already capable of it. And if you understand, see, where our problem comes in is we listen to people talk about themselves. Well, I did this, and I did that. And we elevate them and exalt them. So then when they don't treat us from this level, but they're treating us from this level, then that opens the door for offense. But if you just love people and you ask God, let me see them through your eyes, Father, all of a sudden he begins to show people through his eyes, his eyes of compassion, his eyes of love. See, we're not going to win the world without that. <laughs> we can run in here and have a hundred filled with the Holy Ghost, a thousand people healed, and run out there and get mad at someone. I was at Chili's one day, and I knew these people, they, they were all dressed up. It was on a Sunday. I knew, that they, I knew that they were Christians, and they were standing in there, and all of a sudden, um, they started, I mean, they got irate with the people at Chili's and, and just started being really hateful. And I wanted to walk up and say thanks. Thanks for, thanks for giving God this rap because people, and do you know that in, I'll, I'll tell this and then I'll be done. And what does that mean? Nothing. Okay. So in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Brother Hagen had to get up at Rama, and he said, this is what he said to the students. He said, if you do not have enough money to leave a nice tip plus what your meal cost, you don't have enough money to go out to eat. Stay home. Because all the employees in Tulsa hated working on Sundays because Christians they would either not leave a good tip. Some, some of them left those fake $20 bills and wouldn't leave a tip at all. I'd be afraid to do that. Afraid that Father reached down from heaven and just smack me good. Anyway, let's all stand. The secret to loving people is knowing Him. Do you hear me tonight? The secret to loving people is knowing Him. Say, we are the church. Say, we are the ecclesia. Say, I am the answer 
to all the world's problems. Say, I am the light of the world. Say, I am the light of the world because Jesus is the light of the world. And Jesus lives big in me. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Say this one more thing. Say, I heal the sick. I raise the dead. I cast out devils. I preach the gospel. (laughs) Every time. No exception. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm so glad you came tonight. If you're watching online, thank you for watching. Hope you all got something out of this. And I pray that as you go into the field of harvest, that those words ring in your spirit. I am the church. I am his hands and feet. God bless you. Love you.